Okay, everybody, welcome back to another edition of the Figure It Out podcast with me, Chandler Collins. Victory Monday is back for the boys, Johnny and Blaine with me as well to talk about the Chiefs. 34-28 victory yesterday over the Denver Broncos um, in a very interesting game and one that we aren't going to spend that much time talking about, but we are going to hit a bunch of the points from the game yesterday and a, a good idea by our guy, Johnny Rowe. We're going to give the listeners today a State of the Union address, if you will, on the Chiefs through 14 weeks. I think it's a good time to do it. We haven't done it in a while. I think the last time maybe was after Buffalo. We kind of hit on some of these things that we're going to talk about today. But we're really just going to give our thoughts um, uh, on, on the Chiefs' current status after yesterday's very interesting game, um, depending on how you look at it. I think all three of us might have looked at it a little bit differently. I think all three of us will agree that at the end of the day, you do not apologize for winning in the National Football League, and that is exactly what the Chiefs did yesterday. Let's start the show by just quick, brief thoughts on yesterday's game. I'll start since I'm talking, and then we'll introduce the guys. Um, hell, the first 18 minutes of the game looked like the Chiefs were going to win the Super Bowl again, and then that kind of fizzled away, but um, came out and did exactly what we all wanted to see was the Chiefs dismantling a far inferior opponents um denver looked inept and and quite frankly just poor on all facets of the game hell even their punter wasn't uh he i didn't think he had a very good game either um except for a couple balls here and there but it was a chief's domination to start the game and it slowly fizzled away and um really to sum up my thoughts that's what happens in the game of football when you flirt around and make poor decisions and I listened to Patrick Mahomes' press conference post-game press conference today, and he said all the right things as he most normally does. Um, He's the reason the Broncos got back in the game. I genuinely believe that. I think that the defense was put in poor situations, and yes, Russell Wilson's had a horrible year and hasn't played well, but you turn the ball over two very quick times back-to-back there, and Russ is a proven quarterback in this league regardless of his season this year and he made the Chiefs pay and immediately the game flipped on its head in Denver's favor and the Chiefs were lucky that they had 27 points but I I won't go uh, much farther to hear what Blaine and Johnny have to say. Johnny we'll start with you buddy you were telling us before we got on here that you got uh, got some notes written down just your thoughts yesterday on the Chiefs game before we get into the State of the Union per you by the way shout out Johnny for that. You know, I just had a – I it hit me yesterday. I feel like I just have a lot that I want to talk about with this team. And, of course, we won't take too long. We'll fly through it. But, you know, winning – when I take a step back, it's it, – I'm glad that I'm having these thoughts after a win. Like, no matter what, winning is the best. And it's always great to beat Denver. Not to rub salt in the wound, but if we're talking about my sports teams against their most hated rivals, I had a pretty good weekend with Kansas against Missouri in basketball and then the Chiefs versus Denver. It's all—it's always great to beat those teams, but quite frankly, um, I, I felt pretty embarrassed by the Chiefs' performance yesterday. Early on, it was amazing. It was exactly what we wanted. Like you said, Chandler, we all called for it. We wanted an absolute thrashing I had said that I want Denver to be held scoreless or at least without a touchdown. It was 27 to nothing approaching halftime and the Boo Birds were out. And the Chiefs, uncharacteristically from Mahomes, uh, let this team back into the game. And after it was 27 to nothing, uh, the Chiefs were at one point outscored like 28 to 7. That might have been actually what it was the rest of the game or something like that. Essentially, it's just not good enough. And that performance, giving a team with no hope, hope, uh, really left me with a sour taste in my mouth after the game. And that sounds like that was the case for you guys, too. But to end my little quick spiel here on a positive note, they won. They won the fucking game. That's all that matters. They're 10, they're 10 and 3. You know, and they play a, a Texans team that played their balls off this weekend, but uh, is is trying to lose. So, um bittersweet i guess is the word yeah i you really you play two of the best defensive back secondary teams you you're going to play all year back to back in the Bengals and the broncos pats had trouble both times that's not great but in perspective wise you know when the, when the way they started got out 27 to nothing i mean you got out 27 to nothing it's a team that's allowing 18 points a game per year and that's i mean in itself is really promising so i i, I 
I mean, it was bound to happen. It wasn't bound to happen three picks by Pat. That's not okay. That can't happen. He can't do that, what he did in Cincy. He can't do it again in Denver in the years going forward, but I don't believe he will because playoff Pat is a freaking animal. But in its, you know, there's a lot of places we're going to look at, Johnny, that you, you've you laid out for us and, and Chandler that you're going to talk to too. But I'm concerned in places, absolutely. But I don't want to sound the alarm from this game quite yet just because they, you know, what this, this game was dominated early. I get they crept back into it, but I saw what I needed to see early out of the Chiefs. Um, but but uh, <laughs> if, if I got to watch Justin Watson – or uh, Jalen Watson play one more fucking down at quarterback on Jerry Judy or somebody, I might tear my eyeballs out. That's the last thing I'll have to say about this game. Our young secondary, uh, tough to watch sometimes, and, and it might be a problem going forward, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. To defend them, um, players do make big plays, and yeah. good players make great plays, and I believe yep. Jerry Judy is that. But, yeah, my God, man. Um, you know what? Honestly, Johnny, why don't you take us through um, – Maybe just, you know, I don't know, give give a little update, kind of kick off the State of the Union address, because I think you're you're our guy for that, for sure. <laughs> I actually think that's a good call. Here's how I set it up, guys. And during my lunch today, I, I wrote like three Google Doc pages worth of just stream of thought kind of off the top of my head, because, you know, I, I tend to be Johnny positive about this team. And, they, you know, let's start this off in a good way they have the greatest football player ever on their team like Pat's worst games this was one of them with the three picks that's Blaine said it right it's not okay but in your worst moments if you're throwing 350 plus against the best defense in football arguably with three touchdowns it's pretty good you know like pretty good you know, we saw Tua last night look like absolute shit, and like people want to talk about him in the same regard almost as 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 Mahomes. So, um, I think it's how we should do it. So I have it broken up, of course, into all three phases: offense, defense, and special teams. Uh, I can give my thoughts just about the unit overall, and I even have it broken down like by position. So. You know, I can kind of give my thoughts overall, and then we can just go from there. And if you guys want to just interject, just go ahead. I mean, I I want to hear what you guys have to say, too. So um, let's just start with the offense since we're right there, okay? The Chiefs have the number one offense in the NFL. Like, it's insane how they have the number one overall. No no Tyreek Hill. And in a terrible performance by Miami, he still had two touchdowns last night. But no Tyreek Hill, a running game that's been up and down for the majority of the year. And they still have the number one overall offense. So um, that's fantastic. What is not fantastic is I think that the the Chiefs need to stop getting in their own way. The turnovers are an issue. The turnovers are a problem. And they were a problem last year, too. And the Chiefs have far too many of them. They have 19 giveaways on offense. And only the Colts, the Texans, the Bills, the Saints, and the Rams have more. And if you look at all of those teams, the Rams are terrible. The Colts are terrible. The Texans are terrible. The, the, the Saints are, are terrible, but they are somehow still kind of in contention because that division is bad. And then the Bills are good. They're good. So, like, the Chiefs and the Bills both have a flaw right there. What really makes it more concerning is how the turnovers tie into the defense because the Chiefs have a minus five turnover differential means they're giving it away and they're not really taking it away either. Uh, there are only three teams with a worse turnover differential than the Chiefs, and that's the Rams, the Saints, and the Colts, and they all are, are fucking terrible. <laughs> so, like, that, that's, that's not good enough for, for a Hall of Fame head coach, for a staff that, like this, for a, a team with championship aspirations. And we saw it yesterday. It doesn't matter the team. If you give the ball away, they're going to get back into the game. And so before I get down into the positional stuff, um, I'd like to give you guys a chance to kind of respond to that. Like what Chandler, it's your pod. So why don't you start just your overall thoughts on the offense and then maybe chime in about that turnover stuff. I think that the offense is in a crazy weird spot. Um, It's, it's like in the, in the middle of like trying to shatter records and doing things that are, causing these games to get close when they frankly shouldn't be. And I think a lot of that 
I remember you texted earlier today, I think, uh, and the term was play calling. The play calling is weird with leads. Um, now, selfishly, I, of course, wanted Pat to drop back and throw a touchdown on every pass um, when we were up 27-0 and hang 50 on him. But they're just – it just is like – why weren't we running the football more? And it seems to be a common theme every time. I'm sure the listeners are tired of us asking to run the football more, but like you're up 27-0 and you get the ball back before the Josie Jewel pick. Yes, of course, let's go score, but let's do it a little bit more methodically. There was plenty of time left, guys. I think there was over five minutes left in the half. We didn't have to get down the field in some super hurry, and that's what – that's what I want the Chiefs to do more moving forward, and I'll turn it over to Blaine. Improve your four-minute offense. What that means is everyone talks about two-minute offense all the time. Go fast, go to the line, got to go. Limited timeouts, limited time, go, go, go. Your four-minute offense is the exact opposite. You have a big lead. The clock is your worst enemy, or your your best friend, excuse me. It's the worst enemy of the defense. The Chiefs have this weird inability to just take, in certain situations, the end of half situations, to just melt clock. They like want to get it all right away, right now, and that's the nature of the offense, and I get that. But they've got to flip that switch. Get Pacheco 10 carries under five minutes. Get McKinnon in there. McKinnon is like second on the team in yards per play behind Travis Kelsey only. He's averaging like 6.4 yards a touch. Hand the ball off to him. Um, so the the situational offense, when when it's in dire need, we love seeing it because it, it clicks so efficiently. But when this offense has a lead, they don't play well. And it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Blaine? Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not sure what it is, Chandler, honestly. And I'm like sitting here trying to d- digest what it is and – you know, I have a lot of, like, I think back to whenever it was just unstoppable. Like when you beat Belichick by 50 back in the cream hunt, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey days. And I like, look at this team. I mean, you don't have Kadarius Tony and haven't for a while. McColl's been all weird. They've just been odd situation. You know, your first round draft pick is now your fourth best running back <laughs> with Pacheco and learning how to yeah. use him. And then McKinnon all of a sudden has a hundred yards receiving and 22 yards per, you know, on six carries. So, I just don't think that they're really comfortable quite yet, to be completely honest. And and even though it's been 13 games, Juju's been good in spots. MVS has been good. <laughs> Travis missed some balls. He usually doesn't last week, too, and has had a kind of an iffy, iffy, iffy game in the last three quarters. But I truly think that, like, Andy and them are still trying to draw stuff up to see where they're going to go on third down or, you know, is Pacheco going to be that – second and four and that's what we want to do and we know we want to do that and can do that I just I just don't know that they're very confident in it honestly um at this moment so I'm I'm curious to see if we get more of that stability in the next four weeks before things start getting do or die playoff time but you know I I just really don't know there's there's an antsiness there that doesn't scream confidence to me and that's that's kind of what I'm trying to say I agree with that, Blaine. And Pat alluded to that in his post-game press conference when he was talking about the pick to that Josie Jewell had, which it was a phenomenal play. I'm not taking anything away from it. Phenomenal catch by the linebacker. But why throw that ball? He even said he had the check down th- directly to his left, and he elected to not go to it. He saw it. He even admitted it. So it's kind of one of those things um, that is just kind of like, why? You know, turn, Pat, you've set all the records. And if you keep playing, they're going to come. They don't have to come on one play. He's got to flip to, we got to win championships or this, it doesn't mean anything because frankly, this team's too good to not be winning championships every year. And, and it, it needs to be fixed. It it happens too often. Sorry, Johnny, go ahead. (laughs) No guys, that's great stuff. Really with the Josie Jewel first pick, they ran the ball for three yards with Pacheco on first down there. Up 27 to nothing, frankly, and look, I, I've never coached football. I don't understand any reason why you're not running the football again there. Andy Reid said after the game, he was like, we were trying to keep our foot on the gas and trying to keep things going because we know how things go in this league. Like 27 to nothing against the worst offense in football. There's no reason you shouldn't be running the football there, right? Like that's, that's just no stupid. reason. 
there's no reason. And, um, you know, Pacheco was getting like four and a half, five yards of carry before that. He got three on first down yeah. on that drive before the pick. The second pick to Patrick Sertan, I think yeah. that, or whoever, yeah, just a phenomenal play. Pat was trying to throw the ball away. Sertan's like an all-pro level player, but dude, it was still a terrible throw. Like it, at the end of the day, though, and, and then the third pick was was awful. We are in field goal range. Butker comes in. If, if he makes it, you're up nine, and the game's effectively over. But the last note that I put, it says that – because we talk all the time, why don't they run the ball more? Why don't they commit to the run more? And it seems like against some of these teams that aren't the Titans or the Rams or teams that are phenomenal against the run, that the Chiefs have success on the ground. It might just be as simple as with Mahomes as the quarterback, they are, they're just not going to commit to the run like that. Like, you know what I mean? Like he's just going to throw. And really that's just, if that is the case, I can just accept that. If it's the fact that like there's, there's dispute between the enemy and Reed one time, you know, one drive Andy's calling the plays and one drive the enemy's calling the plays. Like that's some stuff that I can't come to terms with because how are you not running the ball, like I said before, on that second down? So if it's just that it's Mahomes and he throws the ball a lot, great. We see what happens when he does that because of that pitch that he had forward on the amazing highlight reel play uh, to Jarek McKinnon. So that's really overall the offensive thoughts, and we need to get the thing going. But Chandler, one comment before we go on. I just wanted to say about it, people are making a huge deal about the tackles giving up the most pressures in the league. And it kind of dawned on me today. Now I'm not making any excuse. It's inexcusable because you need to understand as a tackle and as offense, what you're going to be asked to do. And it just frankly needs to be better, but man, those guys are asked to pass block on every damn play. Just about like, of course they're going to give up the most pressures because they're in that situation. The most, if not the most, in the entire NFL, and they're not going against slouches, especially in our division, let alone the rest of the teams we have to play. So I think Orlando Brown Jr. has to play better. I think Andrew Wiley has to play better. But I do think there's a little stock that needs to be put into what we ask these guys to do because pass blocking might be the most difficult thing to do for an offensive lineman or for anybody on the entire planet having an athletic freak run full speed forward while you're going backwards with a quarterback who's as mobile as Pat. Um, it's a tough task. I'm not making any excuses, but I just want that on the record, Johnny, go ahead. It, that's Blake, quality. Yeah, yeah, no, it's quality take Chandler. And I'm glad, but too, I, you know, we talked earlier in the year, I think it was maybe week three about the state of the wide receiving core, like separation wasn't there. Is that, you know, what obviously there's been progression. Things have gotten a lot better, but does this wide receiving core need to be better in a simple way? Jarek McKinnon led the well, because of that long throw, but you saw Travis drop a few, which is fine. It's Travis, but you know, Juju has, has he lived up to expectations? Has MVS lived up to expectations for you guys this far in the year? Go ahead, Johnny. Yeah, uh, that's a perfect segue because I think we should just get into like the individual positions on offense. And really, most of this is going to go quickly. So why don't you guys both like just give me a little like a little like a raise your hand or something if I'm going through a position that you want to talk about. And then we'll just go to you. Um, court, quarterback, I probably don't need you know you guys to raise your hand here. Mahomes is amazing. No issues. And like I said, three interceptions. Uh, it's bad. He's only done that like two other times before this game. Uh, but he also threw for 350 plus yards, three touchdowns, made some amazing plays, and and they won the game. So like you know, if it's a, I, I, he's just incredible, and uh, we don't need to spend any more time there. Running back, I really don't have any issues here either. Um, you know, the biggest issue is that they spent a first round pick on Clyde. Okay, well he's not playing, and that's a sunk cost. So we don't really need to talk about that. Pacheco uh, runs hard, looks great. He, you know, I, I like how he plays, and of course that game ceiling run yesterday was awesome but you know you can tell sometimes that he he was a seventh round pick for a reason um he's not like you know has he doesn't have the highest of ceilings but he's doing a great job as a rookie and I'm, I'm pleased with what he's doing and Jarek McKinnon is I think we've all agreed on this all year from the start I mean he, if he's your best back I mean if you're going to go to like someone who can do it all he's your best back he's a patient runner he's a tough runner uh, he's great in the pass game and he's great in pass protection and he knows all the plays so, like, it, you know, he does – he checks all the boxes there. Um, and, you know, 
in a pinch. We've seen Rojo in one game be able to step in and kind of fill the void. So I, I'm okay with uh, running back so far. Chandler, you talked about the left and right tackle play. So let's get into that real quick. And if you guys have something to say, again, give me a little sign. Um, I, I actually just think it's a major issue, Chandler, um, because let's start with Orlando Brown. And, yes, the Chiefs pass a lot. Mahomes drops deep in the pocket often. He's actually done a better job of that this year. Mm-hmm. But Orlando tried to reset the tackle market. With, he tried to get more money than Trent Williams. And that's just not going to happen for him now. And he's playing arguably the the worst left tackle of anybody in the league. It's not good enough. And, um, you know, against the Bengals on that play before the Butker missed field goal, he's the reason that Mahomes got flushed initially because he got beat right away. When Orlando is losing, he's losing early in the down and it's hurting the Chiefs offense. You know, that's that might be why, like, oh, are the receivers not getting separation? Well, the tackles are getting beat early in downs. Andrew Wiley is a an undrafted player. The Chiefs spent a third round pick on Lucas Niang. And he, he's not he's healthy now. He's not playing. So like Wiley must be the better option there. They spent a fifth round pick on Darian Kennard. He's been like a healthy scratch a lot of the year. So, I mean, those are their two best options, and it's not good enough. And if you look into next year, this is why I think the Chiefs offered Orlando Brown. Uh, the Chiefs are going to have to franchise tag Orlando because there's, I mean, there's no other option. They're not going to be picking somewhere to pick a high-end left tackle. Orlando is the best left tackle free agent on the market. So he's going to be the left tackle next year on the tag. And it's just not good enough. Maybe, you know, I thought he's taking, you know, he, he sat out a little bit of training camp and maybe that's why he's had a slow start. I mean, it's, it's week 14. It's just not good enough from Orlando Brown. And so, I, 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 you know, we faced a lot of really good edge rushers. I get that. What are you going to face in the playoffs? You know, you're, that's so, so the left tackle and right tackle for me is really concerning. And Andrew Wiley has been better than Orlando Brown. Like, I think Blaine put his hand up, so maybe give some thoughts here. But I actually am very concerned about the tackle play. Yeah, and I look, I just going back to the wide receiver, you know, question is too, like, I think it, I think the two tie together clearly. I mean, how long Pat's in the pocket gives the chance for obviously defensive linemen to get to him at a, at a better rate. So if, if Pat's having to sit there longer or if, you know, maybe play clone or whatever it may be, it just, I think the two way street there is, is, uh, you know, they're tied together. And that's the weird thing about the game of football is one day, one one play, it could be the tackle's fault, but one play, it could be Juju's fault. You know, and it's just, you really, it's hard to tell. And frankly, I think both have to be a little bit better. They don't have to be a ton better, but they just do. They they have to be a little, little bit better in order for the Kansas State Chiefs to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, my my final thought on the O-line is Trey Smith, Creed Humphrey, and Joe Tooney are ridiculous. <laughs> Trey like, Smith is blue guy. I mean, he <laughs> killed that guy. I mean, he yeah. killed him. Killed him. Some sort of assault. If that was in the street, that's assault. <laughs> oh, yeah, he is. I mean, if the cop can get him down. but <laughs> Yeah, good luck to that cop. Seriously. Go ahead, yeah, Those guys are you're going to get no that and that segues perfectly because I had interior offensive line. You said everything. They're awesome. It was great to see Tooney back from injury. 100% mm-hmm. of the snaps. 100%. There was a screen play that they gave to Jarek McKinnon at one point uh, on the left side, I believe. Creed Humphrey was sprinting down the field. It was so awesome. Those three guys are just awesome. And, you know, knock on wood, hopefully it doesn't happen, but injuries do happen. I think Nick Allegretti is a really serviceable interior backup, like if you need yeah. him in a pitch. And he's, you know, Nick Allegretti started in a Super Bowl before. So he's at, you know, the moment's not too big for him. Moving on to the tight end. I don't know if you guys need to chime in here. Travis is awesome. Of course, milestone after milestone. He's been a little bit, you know, body language has been a little off the last couple of games. I actually heard Mitch Holtis after the Bengals game went on Kansas City Radio. He said Travis was battling like sickness. Like he had the flu against the Bengals. You know, I know play better or whatever, but maybe that's why his body language has looked a little different than it has been you know he hasn't been doing like the get up after a play and do the first down fired up yelling stuff so hopefully he gets to be going a little bit better but 
Noah Gray has been playing a lot more snaps. I'm pleased with what they're getting from Noah Gray. Jody Fortson's a good weapon to have. They like to use him in the red zone. I don't know if they're going to get Blake Bell back anytime this year. It looks like it's more unlikely or by the day, but um, I like the tight end room, Chandler. I do too. I have two quick things. One, I love Noah Gray. I think he is the consummate role player. He understands his role and he's starting to play with a lot more confidence. And that play yesterday where he rerouted and found the open space, it was a really nice game. I think of over 20 yards um, where he, he cut into the middle of the field, but then he kind of worked back out towards the sideline and Pat hit him. And it was a really nice run after the catch. I love what he's doing. Second on Travis Kelsey, I didn't know that about the Cincinnati game. So interesting, great point by you. But yesterday, I kind of feel like I've noticed this, and this is complete speculation just from my eyes and my brain, neither of which are very good. I think the altitude was on Travis's mind yesterday. I really do. Couple of balls, like that one over to the sideline, Couple, he probably catches that in Kansas City, and he just kind of seemed a little lethargic, a little maybe in that – those kind of drops that go right through your hands can factor from exhaustion. Um, I and, and no, you know, like you said, Johnny, no celebrations after. Kid might have just been real tired. A couple times I saw him pull himself out of the game. The altitude is no joke, but he's the GOAT. I mean, we play an altitude once a year, so who gives a shit? Yeah, who gives a shit? Okay, wide receivers. I'm sure you guys have something to say here, and then we'll get over to the defense. Just I'm going to go quickly here about my thoughts on the receivers, and then you guys go. I like what they're getting from Juju, and we've said this before. He's a great outlet for Mahomes. Mahomes likes to throw him those short routes and some of those intermediate routes. He's really good after the catch. He's much bigger than I thought he was. I don't really remember that, and um, he's got some pretty sure hands, even though he did have the one weird drop yesterday, but a bit of a high ball. If they sign him back going forward, I'd love it, but I just feel like they're going to get outbid um, unless he takes a discount. MVS is really just, you know, the same kind of the same player he was in in Green Bay. I, you know, there was a couple times they, they used him differently, but, you know, more of just like a big play type field stretcher player, um, some unsure hands. He's still under contract for a while, so he'll be around, but, um, you know, not not – not as good as Juju, in my opinion, not not on the same level there. McColl's been injured. He scored a lot of touchdowns. We make jokes like he stinks, but they do, you know, I, I do think they kind of miss some of the stuff that he brings or at least the misdirection or just for defenses to account for him. Uh, he was on the sideline and he's, I think he's going to be back uh, against Houston. And if he's not, he'll be back pretty soon, but he seems like he's back to normal spirits um, and healthy, but he might be playing elsewhere next year because his contract is up. Hopefully they get Kadarius Tony back in some capacity this week. He was limited in practice all week last week. Um, and so was trending towards playing, but this might be the get him some snaps against Houston full go against Seattle. I think Tony is going to make a big difference, especially against a team with a great secondary. Like again, if they play the Bengals um, in the playoffs, I think if a healthy Tony would be a real good piece for the chiefs um, in that game. And he's of course under contract for a while. And then finally, you know, Justin Watson, not a really high ceiling, but he's good for, a, you know, maybe one one or two catches a game. Disappointing season from Sky more so far, but we've rattled off a bunch of guys in front of him that have league experience. And we've seen Sky flash a couple of times, really might just have a couple of big moments going forward. But as far as like an every down contributor, that's probably next year. Um, we started with Chandler last time. Blaine, talk to us about the wide receivers. Yeah, I mean, just kind of an, in a reiteration is you just it's hard to draw it to Pat's pass with a guy like without having Tyreek Hill. And I think Kadarius Tony can maybe bring a little bit more of that back. And I'm not going to say anything too bold until maybe like two or three weeks, you know, <laughs> two or three weeks. I might be like, OK, we are we got to get something going because Chandler, I love Noah Gray, too. But if he's catching four or five balls a game, I'm not frankly very happy because I want that in a playmaker's hands and and a guy like Tony or McColl needs to be that guy for the Chiefs so I don't have a ton to say Mark MVS row I, I mean big play after big play after big play that's what wins you games down the stretch so I have loved that but the small plays like that's just where this really across the board needs to be better at Juju's really good after the catch but you know like in between that that large 20 yard third down or that 20 yard catch that that juju breaks off like we you need those consistent eight yard that Tyreek could do so well and just get separation and I hope Tony and McColl can bring that and I really ultimately I think they will so look out 
my comment, MVS's hands are phenomenal 30 to 40 yards down the field. <laughs> like It's ridiculous. But if he is running an intermediate over the middle, high ball, low ball, hands suck. He is not the intermediate guy. I don't know what that's about or why, but that's my observation. I, Other than that, I love what he's done. Like you said, Johnny, he does kind of have the exact same role as he had in Green Bay, which is fine with me. I like him. Okay, so we're kind of on the same page there. This is where this is where we're really going to get into like the nut cutting, and this is what a lot of my concerns are stemming from the defense and the special teams guys. I, I, the defense has probably overperformed to this point, and by all metrics, they're like a bottom seven to ten unit in the league, depending on what you're looking at. Um, the biggest issue on the Chiefs' defense, to me, is overall talent. Okay, Chris Jones is, uh, and I'm going to rattle off a few players here who are good players. Chris Jones is is phenomenal. Nick Bolton is an amazing player. Willie Gay's athleticism is, I mean, the top five, three to five percent of all of football at the linebacker position. I think Trent McDuffie got a bad penalty yesterday, a, a miscommunication with a young secondary. Probably his worst game as a Chief was yesterday, but I think he's really promising as a corner coming up. Um, and Legereus is a, a Swiss army knife. Okay. There's four or five players beyond that. I have been very disappointed with the overall talent of the defense. Okay. Carlos Dunlap has done some good things. That's an aging veteran on a one-year contract. If you look elsewhere, I've been singing his praises a lot. He got a sack yesterday. I'm starting to get worried about George Karloftis. I just, I, he is going to have to get, Trey Hendrickson level freak strong to be a big factor in this league. Uh, it just seems like it just seems like he's not winning ever early in the downs. And when he does get to the quarterback, it's way late in the down. And the same exact thing can be said for Frank Clark. It's just not good enough from those guys. Okay. He's Colin stinks. Saunders. Sorry. Colin Saunders has not been good enough, in my opinion, either. There was a, a moment yesterday where he won, got into the backfield, and just whiffed. Just whiffed. And, you know, those times he gets into the backfield, you need Saunders, a third-round pick, to, to get there. And, uh, you know, when was the last time you said Derek Nottie's name? So, the, never. The, that's the defensive line. I'm going to move to the secondary here in a second, but I want to hear your guys' thoughts on the defensive line. I'll leave you with this. This is crazy. The Chiefs are third, third in the NFL in sacks. Third. It all, to me, comes from the, the – that, that's, that's a testament to Spags because of the, the, what, what he's drawn up on blitzes. Because we saw it yesterday, and that offensive line for Denver – is horrific when the chiefs rush with four there's no chance they're getting home because three guys are going to chris jones and the other guys just can't win um we started with blaine last time chandler why don't you go first on the d line um johnny i i don't get it why can the chiefs you know who i really miss watching a lot of football yesterday probably the most i've watched consistently all season really outside of the chiefs Justin Houston, man, he seems to be even better in Baltimore. Um, I, I don't, I do not get it. I really don't. Um, I, you know, we've talked about how we like the uh, the activity that the D line provides, and it wasn't there yesterday, in my opinion. And we still had what seven sacks yesterday, something like that, something insane. Um, and and that's a great point by you. I love the secondary pressures from the linebackers and the and the corners that blitz all the time, but that's really flirting with disaster. And we saw when you can't do that, i.e. Bengals game, this Chiefs defense is not playing well enough. Um the the D line, the the lack of explosiveness I see on the D line, and and it's just it's it's very it's very concerning. Um I think it's still a little early, and I, I know that you agree with this too, to talk about what we expect from Karloftis just being a being a rookie. So he has plenty of time to improve, and I like some of the things he can do. I love the way he gets his hands up on passes, but is that him is that him really winning the rep or you know, playing it 
to uh, just well enough to get his hands up instead of trying to get to the passer. I don't know, but it's um it's a it is concerning. Um, when you don't, the Broncos' offensive line is not one of the better offensive lines we're going to play, and we've seen what happens when we can't get home with four. Like I already said, so it's it's not great right now, Johnny. It really isn't, Blaine. Yeah, I uh, I'm glad to see at least like let's see what Brandon Williams can bring if he can bring anything, but somebody else has to draw some kind of desire outside of Chris Jones. I mean, that's as simple as it is. Chris Jones is too good to be washed into triple teams with no one else to help because I mean, there, I mean, Dunlap smart few plays. Frank's made some smart few plays. Like we can't go without saying that he's looked good in places. I believe that, but it's just not consistent enough. I believe that they have a dynamic step, but that's my problem. Those who have dynamic steps aren't doing it consistently and then the others are just slow, flat out. Like I, Carlotis, you, I, I told you you were slow for ten weeks, and you still don't have that step. You're not explosive. You're not dynamic. It's it sucks to see Malik Herring can't like any of these guys. I mean, I'm I'm just reading down like war. Who is Mike Dana? Who is, who is Mike Dana? Like these guys. The fact that there's been no activity, one on one situations is not good. There's no, you know, is that where we've decided not to spend money because of the way that you have to structure your roster or cornerback obviously is where we haven't or and play like this is maybe part of having a long term franchise and having to suffer at some positions. But there's clearly some suffering going on and <laughs> I don't I'm not going to solve it from talking to you, but it just is frustrating simply. It, it, like I started this off. To me, it's just a talent issue. Yeah, hundred percent. Frank and and fr- like frankly, that's just that's just what it is. Like you have, you know, George Karloftis coming in, learning pass rush moves from Frank Clark that don't work, and they look identical out there when they're opposite each other and they rush. They both just run in a straight line to try to beat the tackle with speed. They both try to do that little spin move, elbow hook that Frank yeah. used to do in Seattle, and it doesn't work. Yeah. Okay. And this leads perfectly into the secondary. Blaine, do you have something before I do? Yeah. That? It's just like I also was trying to draw the line. It's just, I mean, we're, we're paying Frank so much money that it's destroyed us. It's destroyed our ability to get someone this offseason, and it's destroyed the entire D line, honestly. So. Yeah, it's 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 frustrating, and like I said, they're third in the league in sacks. A lot of that comes from sending extra pressure. You don't get home every time you send extra pressure, and when we're not getting home, our young secondary cannot cover. They cannot cover. It is it's bad. I can't watch Joshua Williams and Jalen Watson cover like that anymore. I'm with Blaine here, and Blaine's been in Team Joshua Williams. I like how he steps up and is is willing to tackle in the run game. I like how he is getting his nose in there, and he's made some plays on the ball. Some really good players have gotten him. He's a fourth-round rookie from Fayetteville State. I get all of that. It's just been 14 weeks of it, and I can't take it anymore. And, you know, he's a fourth-rounder. Jalen Watson's a seventh-rounder. Okay, maybe you cut them a little bit of a break. Here's where I – and this might piss me off. <laughs> where the hell are Justin Reed and Juan Thornhill? You just never hear their name. You never hear their name, okay? Juan Thornhill is nowhere to be found. Justin Reed is nowhere to be found. I don't think Justin Reed has an interception on the year or a forced fumble on the year or maybe one sack. I, I He has nothing. He's just like irrelevant out there. The biggest contribution Justin Reed has made to this team this year is when he had to kick for Butker against the Cardinals. I liked Justin Reed. I still like him before the year. Okay. I even defended him to you guys when he was shit talking against the Bengals. Okay. He's not, he's, it's not good enough. And they pay, they paid him a lot of money. It's not good enough. Juan Thornhill's best snaps as a chief came in his rookie year. Then he got hurt. Then he got benched. Then he got his way back. It's not good enough. He's Juan Thornhill seems to always be late, a step late on the ball. And I don't know if that's attributed to 
Watson and, and Williams, but it's just an overall lack of talent across the board with the defense. And those safeties just aren't doing enough. I like what they're getting from McDuffie. I like what Legereus Sneed can do. There are five D-backs on the field for the Chiefs most of the time. They spend most of their time in nickel and sometimes in dime. Watson, Williams, Thornhill, and Reed are getting exposed. And that's a recipe, guys, for disaster the next time they play the Bills and the Bengals. That's a recipe for disaster if this team catches Miami with their best game in the postseason. That's a disaster if they have to play the Chargers in the postseason. So I'm always Johnny positive with this team. I need you guys to talk to me about this because this is why I wrote all these notes down. I think, you know, earlier in the year, I said this defense might be the best of the Mahomes era. That was flat out stupid because I think that this defense might be bad. Okay, Legereus Schneid is fucking awesome. That guy can play football. I really, really like to watch him play football, but you need another one of him. Or, or at least like someone that can sniff his his potential because, I mean, you just – it should have sounded the alarm whenever Rashad Fenton was on this active roster. We, we should have sounded the alarm then, and that was a clear-cut why. You end up cutting the guy, and now you got – two rookies who are forced to play, three rookies who are forced to play. Okay, outside of Trent McDuffie and Legereus Sneed, it's not good. And that's not going to get better. So what what are we, we going to do about it? I don't think at this point in the year there's anything that we can say right now that we can or that the Chiefs will or want to do. You've got to keep drawing up different packages and you got to try – Keep trying different things because we know what you're going to get out of Jalen Watson, Joshua Williams, and frankly, everybody else in that secondary outside of really Steve McDuffie. So, I, you know, Chandler, I want to hear what you have to say. I agree on everything about Justin Reed, but, um, you know, it, it, it's what we chose to do. It's how we chose to build this roster from day one, and it, it just sucks. Yeah, um, my thing with the secondary, and this kind of goes into making plays, this defense just, I mean, Willie Gay made a play yesterday. Unbelievable play. But I expect that from the linebacker because they've proven it. Nobody else on this team, especially in the secondary, wants to make a play. It goes back to what we were just talking about. Where are the turnovers? Yeah. Safeties get the most turnovers probably on a defense, if not unless you have an absolute shutdown, lockdown corner, because they're always in help. They're always trying to help corners. They're always, you know, cutting the ball off in cover two, covering from the hash of the sideline. Yeah. And and there is not – I don't even remember – like, when's the last time there was a ball – and it might have actually been, like, the first play yesterday that a ball, like, looked like it could be turned over in the air, and it hit Trent McDuffie right in the face mask. Um. Now, I know that he's a secondary player, and, you know, you don't – it's not a criteria to have the ability to really catch the football well as a DB. But good God, guys, why – I mean, we're not playing – we play good quarterbacks, but we've also played some not good quarterbacks. And I would put Russell Wilson in that category as of weeks 1 through 13 and now 14. They're, the inability for this team to create turnovers from a defensive perspective is is scary. I do not get it. It's one of the worst in the league, as Johnny pointed out, and there's players out there that can do it. I mean, Legereus Sneed can do it. I still think Justin Reed and Juan Thornhill can do it, but there's just nobody that's wanting to do it, and it's going to cause issues. Turnovers change games. Turnovers win games. Turnovers give teams a chance to win the game as we saw yesterday, and it doesn't matter, especially in the playoffs, everybody's 0-0. What you did in the regular season does not matter. So trending towards the playoffs, we got to get some plays from our safeties. I completely agree, Johnny. It's it's poor. Justin yeah. Reed, I don't want you – I don't want our safeties on the tackle sheet a ton, but my God, maybe some pass breakups, something. I, I mean, get your name called on TV more than tackling a guy 25 yards down the field. I, I, I 
love what you said about just pure hesitation. Like big time players make big time plays. They gamble whenever they know they should and could because they're confident and they study and they know their ability. And I just don't think that there's that inkling in anybody in that secondary outside of Legereus. So, I mean, the hesitation is just infuriating. You're completely right. Where are where is punching at the ball? Where is trying to create turnovers when they're running the football? I or do, I never yeah. see it. I never see it. And yeah. other teams are always punching yes. at our guys. I don't get it. Jump around and miss it. Like I don't give a shit. I want to yeah. see you fucking do it. Like just go. You know, I it's 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 backpedal hesitation. You know, see late, keep it in come, front. Come to me, keep it in front. And, and yeah. I, I mean, I understand that Spagnola's freaking defensive identity, but good God, sometimes get off script a little bit, huh? Yeah. I mean, have a have some fights. Jesus <laughs> Christ. I know okay. I worked up. I was gonna be Chandler positive, but my God, if you don't turn the if you turn the ball over and you don't turn it over on defense. You, it's tough to win football games. I don't care what level it is. It could be middle school, Springfield, Missouri. You don't turn the ball over, and you don't get turnovers. It's tough to win. This is what I'm saying, man. Like, yeah, I feel like I'm the one who has to talk to you guys off the ledge all year. So if I'm, so if I'm at this point, I feel like it, there's something. There's, there's. I mean, stuff's got to be addressed, and. We'll wrap up the the defense here with this. It's like I talked to Chandler, I've talked to Blaine and and our other football junkie friends about this all the time. There is like there is a quality that I've noticed, and a lot of people notice it's not that hard, but like how you can tell someone's just like a dog and is really good. It's a big field, but there are guys that are just like always around the ball. And you're like, he's always around the ball. It doesn't matter if he's playing boundary covered corner or he's lining up in the box, or he's, you know, deep middle of the field. It doesn't matter. There's just guys who are always around the ball. LJ is one of those guys. Chris Jones is one of those guys. Bolton and Gay are those guys. Justin Reed and Thornhill are never near the ball. Never. And it's probably because, like you guys said, they're hesitating. They, they, they Like, I never hear Ian Eagle saying their names. I never hear the guy. I just, you just don't hear their names, and it's just not good enough from them. And it's a bad combination. If you're rushing with four and covering, you're not getting home and you can't cover forever. If you're sending extra bodies and there's times that they don't get home, you're fucked on a big play because our guys can't cover immediately without help. So it's like, you know, people are wondering, why weren't they sending more guys against the Bengals? Because they needed to cover and just take the chance uh, that they would get home. You know, that's, the Chiefs can't get home against the Bengals. And that's something that scares me going forward. And, I, you know, I yell at you guys for using scared, nervous, anxious. It's consuming me right now. And so I needed you guys to help me out, to help me out here. We'll end on a positive note with the defense. Nick Bolton and Willie Gay are fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. I've, I love watching them play football. And I, like you said, I think Blaine or Chandler, whoever, one of you guys, that, that, the, the play by Bolton was awesome. And then the stiff arm of Russell Wilson to boot was a great cherry on top. Let's continue with the negativity and we'll some, we'll find some way to end this, put a bow on it in a positive way. As concerned as I am with the defense, I'm just as concerned with special teams. They're on the field less, but I'm just waiting for a mistake, guys. I really am. I'm waiting for a mistake. It, the whole unit just gives you an unsettled feeling. I'm expecting a mess up or a train wreck. The return game has been bad overall. When they do return the ball, there's usually a holding or a block in the back or something like that. I get that you lost a lot of guys that had played special team snaps for you for a number of years. Say what you will about them on defense or on offense, right? But Armani Watts, Ben Neiman, Dan Sorensen, Anthony Sherman, like these are guys that played they played Marcus a lot of Camp. special teams. Marcus Camp, they played a lot of special mm-hmm. team snaps for you. And they're not there. I understand all of that. Okay. But it's been 14 weeks. And it just seems like we are at a disadvantage on special teams. The best player that we have on special teams has ironically been Tommy Townsend, who was nuking the football yesterday. I mean, he kicked one out of the end zone. I didn't even care because it was like an 80-yard punt. It didn't even matter. 
Um, his holds have been great in, in the kicking game. Been really pleased with Tommy so far. Winchester, last couple of games, horrendous snapping the football. Horrendous. Uh, that's got to get better. Butger, 100% yesterday. Great to see that. But, and I know he was hurt part of the year. Get this. Butger is kicking 79% on field goals. There are only three kickers in the league if you take out guys that have like two kicks this season. Like take out guys like Justin Reed. There are only three kickers that have a worse field goal made percentage than Harrison Butker's 79%. Will Lutz, the Saints are terrible. Cade York, the Browns are terrible. Brandon McManus, the Broncos are terrible. And then it's Butker. All those teams are under 500. Butker has missed two extra points in the limited games that he's played. That's 23rd in the NFL. Butker makes a lot of money for a kicker, and he's been a reliable guy. I like him as a dude. But I'm really concerned with the special teams, guys. Uh, yeah, I think, I think Blaine's it's... got to run. Blaine's got to run pretty soon. Do you want to just give your thoughts before you get yeah, out of here, Blaine? Blaine yeah, give your thoughts and then get out of here. You got a lot more to say than I do anyways on this, Chandler, coming from uh, special teams himself. You know, yeah. I'll, I'll say this. Punt coverage, kickoff coverage has been good enough for me in a, in a sense now tommy was destroying balls but that's not what you're out there to do i mean johnny i, I love i mean coming from i used to punt in high school which doesn't really amount to anything but i mean the just the beauty of a boomer is one of the best things in football but you know he'll pin it please get better at pinning it please it might have been the altitude that he booted a few out but the coverage has been good regardless tommy's been good he's not shanking them but i i mean it all comes down to me is just the execution in the field goal unit and if harrison bucker can you know i i would say that i'm nervous too but everyone in kansas city is now nervous about this guy um just because of the recent fuck-ups and i don't want that i don't have really anything else other to say than it's just the field goal unit for me. We got to get points when we need to get points. Um, and you got to get three when you need to get three. And I don't feel great about it. So, yeah. Special teams, in a nutshell, changes. Well, actually, Blaine, thank you very much for your contribution, buddy. Happy Victory Monday. Enjoy your evening. Where are you off to? I'm going to this class downtown. Okay. Have fun. Look oh, you're these. going to oh it's a workout class. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I okay. planned it for a week with just I, thought it, was like, I thought it was like some sort of craft show or some dumb shit. I'm gonna go make some pottery and hand it out to the fucking <laughs> I thought he was gonna go record a Vikings Chargers combined <laughs> podcast. Oh yeah, maybe he is doing that actually. Uh no all right. All right. Appreciate it, buddy. We'll talk to you later. See you, Blaine. Thanks. But special teams, Johnny, getting back to what I was saying, is in a nutshell, it can win you and it can lose you games. And when you have a special teams unit on a bad team, you look for them to create a spark. You look for the special teams to do something to get your guys going in the right direction because your offense or your defense has the inability to do that. That is not the case with the Chiefs. The special teams for the Chiefs and for really good teams, the Chiefs, the Bengals, the Bills, throw whatever team you want in there, cannot lose you games and that is more or less what the special teams for the chiefs are trending in that direction of doing missed kicks bad snaps bad punts now the we we it was all i mean i don't even think that was a bad touchback on the one that went 80 yards because he went out there and the coach told him hit it as hard as you can and he did it flipped the field and i mean it's nearly impossible to pin them inside the 10 yard line from our own 30-ish yard line. So I want that on the record, too. Great punt by Tommy. But it's just those little stupid things that are causing, all of a sudden, it's a chain reaction. You missed the field goal last week against Cincinnati. Granted, it was 55 yards, but it started with a bad snap. Tommy did get the hold down. Then it gets to Harrison, and he misses. That changed the game right then and there. That would have made it a completely different game if it was 27 all you give the Bengals great field position because in the NFL, you get the ball where the holder holds it from, not from where you snap it from. So that's a seven-yard increase in terms of where the Bengals are going to start. Um, and it 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 just – you can't take the ball 
out of Patrick Mahomes' hands and not turn it into something positive. And and right now, the special teams is trending negative, Johnny. It just is. Um, I think I agree with Blaine. I love the coverage. I think that our, our units are aggressive, and I I want us to kick it out of the back of the end zone every single time because there is no reason why we should even give the other team a chance to start above the 25-yard line when we just got done ripping about our defense. Um, the special teams for the Chiefs, and I'll sum this up, has to just play to not lose the game. They cannot mess things up. There is no reason why they should mess things up when there's just such little pressure on them every week. Like, the special teams is not going to be talked about, honestly, this in-depth when you have guys like Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and Chris Jones and Nick Bolton. Um, and if you're being talked about, like, we have to talk about them, it's not a good sign. Yeah, I mean, for a team that turns the ball over this much, you can't also be getting turnovers from special teams. And, like, no. it's just – and, you know, like we're talking Tommy Townsend is the best special teams player and uh, – I hate when he's out there because when Tommy's out there, right, unless it's an extra point, it's on a field goal or a fucking punt. Yeah. Like, I don't want, I don't want him out there. And so yeah. it's just, it's just frustrating. And like, like I started this off with, so in closing, the, the chiefs are 10 and three, they play the Texans next week. And then, you know, then they've got two, of, two of their last three are at home. So it could be much worse. I am just concerned that the Chiefs are at this point in the season when you should be really looking good. They are not looking polished. Yeah. And when you are, when there are self inflicted wounds on top of a roster that, you know, especially on defense is not that highly talented, not that elitely talented you open yourself up to to losing and uh, against really good teams. And we saw that happen against Buffalo, saw that happen against Cincinnati. Obviously, those are the two teams that are standing in the Chiefs' way the most to get to the to get to the Super Bowl. But if you keep playing like this, you open yourself up to a Miami or a Chargers if Baltimore. Lamar gets healthy, a Baltimore, yeah. a Tennessee, you open yourself up to losing to anybody in the AFC in the in the playoffs. And so, you know, already after talking with you and Blaine here, I feel a little bit better. I'm glad I got that out. But it, I think it's obvious who the Chiefs are, actually. Like, the Chiefs are an incredible, indefensible offense at times in the game when operating at full at, at full go. They are an inconsistent offense, which is a testament to their greatness because of how many points they put up. I mean, they're the number one scoring team, and they seem inconsistent. They're a team that maybe not at top of the league, but top 50% of the league in penalties. Oh. They're, a team on, they're a team on defense that is just not, like I said, highly talented. And if you're not getting home with the blitz, you're not getting home at all, unless it's Chris Jones's two freak plays per game where he beats three guys. So, I mean, Chris Jones, when Brett Rippon threw the interception, was the guy who got home. So it's like, Chandler, I think, you know, the Chiefs will beat anybody, but I think there's a little confidence that's waning if you if you do play a, a Buffalo or a, or a Cincinnati. Like, the Chiefs are going to have to play their best game to beat those teams, where in previous years I think they – they, they could play their B game and still win against one of those teams' A games. What are your final thoughts, and then we'll get at it? Honestly, Johnny, my final thoughts, I, I felt really positive all day. I like talking about the flaws, but you know what? Honestly, every team has flaws. I'm sure that there's three Buffalo fans that do a podcast together that are talking about how they only beat the Jets by, what was it, 20 to 12, or was it 21 to 12? I can't remember which which point they had uh, for Buffalo. 20. They didn't. They didn't look great um, yesterday either. So there's 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 problems all over the league, and and any good team has the answers. And moving forward, you got four awesome weeks left to get it right, to get some things polished up, and get going full bore into the playoffs. And that is exactly what the Chiefs have in front of them with some very favorable 
uh, matchups moving forward. Back later this week um, for NFL Week 15 episode. We are getting down to it, folks. What an awesome victory Monday. I'd like to remind everybody that the Chiefs did win yesterday to improve to 10-3. and Awesome State of the Union address after Week 14. Chiefs, 34. Broncos, 28. That's the Victory Pod recap episode. Johnny and Blaine. Blaine gone already. Johnny, I appreciate you uh, you taking the lead on this one. It was awesome, man. I'll talk to you later, okay? See you, buddy. Peace.